From APM American Public Media, this is the American Radio Works podcast. I'm Stephen Smith. Many education reformers have the wrong ideas about how to use data, according to a new study published by the National Education Policy Center. The paper was co-written by two professors. One is an expert in measurement, the other a leader in education reform. They say the status quo values what is measured instead of measuring what is valued. They suggest ways for educators to learn from business, sports, and school systems in other countries. Their paper is called Data-Driven Improvement and Accountability. I sat down with the authors, Andrew Hargraves and Henry Brown, recently at the Lynch School of Education at Boston College. Henry Brown is the data expert, but he told me school improvement must come first. School improvement is hard to do, it's, and particularly to do it at, a, at scale. Individual schools may succeed, but to do it at the district or state level, very, very difficult and probably has not really been done, Uh, certainly not in a short amount of time. And unfortunately, the folks who are pushing accountability assume that just by having an accountability system in place, that improvement will come as a matter of course. But we argue in the paper that, in fact, it tends to result in distortion and diversion and even corruption. You fellows are from sort of the same discipline, but different approaches. How did you get together? Why did you get together? And what were you trying to do with this paper that you uh, you produced? We wanted to provide a more balanced view, and we wanted to indicate some directions in which uh, states and districts could go to get more out of their accountability and to really drive a constructive school improvement. We have in this country, as you know, in many areas, kind of extremist views. Some people who would argue that There's no need for any kind of accountability at all, and others who think that our uh, whole system needs to be much more rigorously monitored. Where we are is, I think, uh, in many states, in a very uncomfortable position where we talk about data for improvement or accountability for improvement, but in fact, most of the effort in accountability has to do with rewards and sanctions and relatively little attention to the need to design accountability systems so that they really provide the basis for improvement. For the layperson, for the parent um, or the student, what is an accountability system? An accountability system is uh, meant to be a tool to give the public and the people who pay for public education information about how the system is performing and to bring in play corrective devices if it's not performing up to standards, like the reports of Profits and losses are made to shareholders in the private sector. And the accountability system that most Americans are going to be familiar with is the one that really was implemented by and after No Child Left Behind. Largely using test scores, uh, student test scores, as a basis for judging how well the school is doing, uh, how well the district or the system is doing, how well the state is doing, and now also how well the teacher is doing as well. And uh, if there's two things tend to happen with an accountability system, in some cases, not all, there are rewards for people who do extraordinarily well. Uh, There are punishments or sanctions, including uh, closure or firing people uh, for, for schools or individuals who do particularly badly. And what tends to happen is that people will also concentrate overly much on kids who are just near the point where they may get a pass or hit proficiency rather than not hit proficiency because with a lot of with a little effort you can get a big return and so you get the punishments off your back basically that that's really what 
an accountability system looks like within the U.S., but not how it operates in many other places. Now, uh, Henry Brown, you're sort of the data guy in this team. Um, what Are the data that are being collected now, from your perspective, the right kind of data to make decisions about whether or not schools are doing well or not? It seems like of all the things that could be measured, are we measuring the right things? No, we're not. Uh, we're, we're measuring some of the right things, uh, but we're not measuring lots of things that we should be measuring. And that speaks not only to uh, the academic subjects, where for the moment, most of the tests that states are using are multiple choice tests that are able to evaluate students' knowledge and skills at relatively low levels, not at the kind of depth that the state's own content standards uh, demand. Uh, but then if we go beyond the academic subjects to the other areas, uh, social-emotional learning, uh, collaborative teamwork, uh, high-level problem-solving, et cetera, what often goes under the rubric of 21st century skills, we're not doing that at all. And yet these are the, exactly the kinds of outcomes that parents, stakeholders, politicians say that we really need to, uh, to inculcate in our, in our children. And we're not doing it and we're not measuring it. So that narrowing that Andy spoke about is exactly what a natural response of a system under pressure is going to do. Was there a time when we were measuring more things and better things? Yes. Uh, I think there were, there were situations where, for example, Maryland, before No Child Left Behind, had a very fine uh, evaluation system that included lots of performance assessment, was measuring many more high-order skills, uh, but that went, uh, by the way, when the pressure from No Child Left Behind uh, forced them to e evaluate children, test the children in all grades and all subjects. They could, just couldn't afford to keep up their uh, performance assessment system. One example of a casualty, if you will, of No Child Left Behind. And another casualty is that states uh, reduced their standards because they wanted to make it easier. Many states, not all states, wanted to make it easier for their schools to uh, meet the proficient standards so that they would not uh, be sanctioned. So it's an example of the kind of distortion and distraction that high-stakes accountability provides, especially when that system has these technically uh, problematic criteria, such as percent proficient, rather than looking at the progress of all students, which would reduce the uh, impetus for teachers and schools to focus on the bubble kids, as Andy was mentioning. How would you, Andy, uh, as the school improvement guru, how would you use uh, either the data that exists now or the data that you think should be collected to not just hold schools accountable, but to actually improve them. You know, for, for a layperson, how, how do you actually go about doing that? Well, the data we use in schools should have the same characteristics that they do in high-performing businesses. We should use uh, a wide range of types of data, what, what business calls a balanced scorecard. So in business, it's not only profits and losses that, that count. It's also things like customer satisfaction, uh, internet stickiness, how long you spend on the website, uh, we need to use more kinds of data, which include high school graduation, uh, attendance, uh, but also things like student engagement, which means uh, rates of reading for pleasure, not just reading proficiency. So it's okay to be proficient at reading, but if you're not enjoying a reading, you're unlikely to be reading throughout the rest of your life to any significant degree. Having data that you can use just in time, uh, so data that gives you information about your kids now, so that you can help the kids who you've got the results from diagnostically, 
But most of the data we use now occur at the end of the year. It's an end-of-grade test. Uh, you get the results. You don't even know which items your kids did well or badly on. The items are confidential. You can't help the kids who took the test. It's only accountability. It's not really contributing in, an, in any way to improvement. So we, we need to align good educational practice, actually, with really good business practice. And the misunderstanding that is being communicated is that somehow being accountable means being like business, but it's not. It's like average or bad business, not like good business. You also used a sports metaphor, I think, in your in your paper. You described what is a fairly well-known story now about the Oakland A's. Uh, but Michael Lewis studied the Oakland A's. We've looked at uh, hockey teams, at, uh, at soccer teams, Teams, at cricket teams, and uh, the, they use all kinds of data. They use on-the-field data that relate to player performance, and they use off-the-field data like uh, hospitality or uh, viewing statistics and so on. So again, they have a balanced scorecard. What we find in successful use of sport data in the organizations we've looked at, say in hockey, uh, a key statistic is blocked shots. And what a blocked shot is in hockey is when a player decides to place themselves physically between a puck traveling at 100 miles an hour and the goal. And what happens is coaches don't just say you need to get your ratio up, but the, the, the shots are predictors both of the individual player's likelihood of getting into the NHL, the National Hockey League, and they're predictors of team performance. So the coach and the player sit down together around shared values that are important to them both, and they combine the data with good judgments and good decisions that are beneficial to the whole team. It's the data matter, but it's the conversations around the data that are focused on collective improvement that are really important. Too much in American schools uh, that the data are privileged over almost anything else. There's no intensive conversation around uh, real children or real issues in teaching and learning, but a panic-driven search for quick and easy strategies and results that will get the possibility of sanctions and punishments away from the door. Well, I, I'd have to say I don't know of a single state in this country uh, that has a uh, high-level commitment to this kind of productive use of data. And I think now with the history, if you are the heritage, if you will, of NCLB, and now with the uh, demands of under race to the top, uh, there's again a, a real pressure to develop these accountability systems, high stakes accountability systems, not only for schools as under NCLB, but for teachers and even now uh, teacher preparation programs. So I think a lot of the uh, effort, attention, uh, and uh, angst in the states is really focused on trying to develop these accountability systems. And I say giving relatively short shrift to the ideas of how, how should this accountability system work so that its main goal is improvement rather than reward and sanction. Uh, and I think that's very unfortunate. Certainly there are some districts around the country that have very strong data systems and try to use those data systems in productive ways and encourage uh, teachers to develop these what are sometimes called professional learning communities around data but I don't know of a single state that has made that its its major goal and I think this is where uh, the United States uh, is rather on a, a rather different path than many of the other high-performing countries and I think it uh, gives considerable pause to many of us that you know that we're going to be able to succeed in terms of really not only improving achievement but closing the achievement gaps which are large and persistent um, in any time in the near future with this with this approach and that's very problematic not only 
from a policy point of view, but problematic in terms of individual histories and for the, the quality of life in this, in this country over the next generation or two. Is the amount of data that you believe needs to be collected, especially in real time, is it um, particularly expensive to do? I mean, one thing that states spend a lot of money on is testing. Uh, while that may change a little bit with the coming of the Common Core state standards um, and the tests, the two com uh, consortia of test-making companies or, or groups that are putting that together. But is it going to be uh, expensive for school districts to collect the amount of data that you think they should? Well, that's a good question, and I think it all depends on how you view the, the use of data. Uh, for example, the uh, the two consortia, Park and Smart Balance, have announced prices uh, something on the order of $30 a student, which some states regarded as uh, too high. But if you think about what states are spending per student, it's anywhere from seven to $10,000. So $30 per student is a very, very small percentage of the total expenditures. And I would argue, now it's true, I'm an assessment person, I would argue that's a fairly small premium to pay to see whether or not that seven, ten thousand $10,000 you're spending has been well has been well spent. Now, in terms of assessment as part of instruction, I think, again, we have to think of that as part of an instructional budget, if it's done well, rather than an assessment budget that sits outside of the regular school uh, uh, activities. And I think that there is now quite a bit of, of work being done and quite a lot of uh, products on the market that provide the kind of instructional assessments, assessment, uh, they say assessment not of learning, but for learning and assessment as learning, that are really part of instruction and can be very powerful. But as Andy says, it's not just the assessment itself. It's teachers getting together and discussing student work and, and testing each other in terms of their understanding of what represents high-quality work. That's the most powerful uh, professional development, and that's where the, the value of good data, good evidence, really shows up. And if you think again about what school districts are spending each year on professional development, all of, most of which, according to teachers themselves, is wasted, uh, we think that it could be much more productively directed in a way that would lead to both improved practice and improved learning. Who's doing it right? Who's getting the, not just the accountability part of it, but using data to actually make schools work better? Um, is, is that happening in the United States? Is it happening globally? Finland has, which is the best performing uh, country in the world outside Asia, uh, f Finland uses very little what we would understand as test data. They, they do monitor and watch the system and see how it's going, but when teachers work together, they mainly, the data for them are examples of student work or shared observations of the children's learning or, or knowledge of the children. The, the point is, the true point is to know your children. The data can never be a substitute. The focus is on good teaching and getting teachers to work together to look at good teaching and how it is targeted on every individual child and the way they learn best. And, and using the data as a kind of conscience to make sure you're not missing something, that a child's not a quiet child, for example, in the class who's, uh, who you don't really notice, but they're in danger of falling through the through the cracks, the data can help you pick that up. But the point is, the point is to get the support for really good, focused, demanding conversations ab about real children, real learning, for, for real achievement. What has to change for the education system in this country to um, realize your suggestions that data be used not just for accountability, but truly for school improvement and and for improvement of teaching individual children? Well, I think, as we said in the paper, what, what we really need is 
greater collective action and collective responsibility. And that all comes from trust. And I, th I would think that perhaps the most important issue here is how do we develop trust between the various stakeholders in the system? Right now, I think our system is characterized by a lack of trust, a mistrust, uh, and so the accountability system is meant to substitute for that trust. Uh, and unfortunately, what it does is to create greater uh, discrepancies, disparities, if you will, between the teacher or educator's views of what's going on and policymakers and politicians' views. And, and as that gap widens, uh, the uh, pressure to increase uh, the punitive nature of accountability incre increases, uh, but with the unfortunate result that it has unintended negative consequences, both for educators and for students and for the country as a whole. All countries are different. But being different is not an excuse for being ineffective. All countries can change. Many countries have. Can America? That's the question. That was Andy Hargraves, professor of education reform at Boston College, and Henry Brown, a Boston College professor specializing in testing and educational outcomes. They co-authored a new report calling for a new look at how data is used to measure progress in education. You can find more podcasts about measuring schools and students on our website, AmericanRadioWorks.org. While you're there, browse our archive of more than 100 documentary projects and let us know what you think of our coverage. That's AmericanRadioWorks.org. We're on Facebook at American.RadioWorks, and we're on Twitter at AMRadioWorks. Support for American Radio Works comes from Lumina Foundation, the William and Flora Hewlett Foundation, and the Spencer Foundation. I'm Stephen Smith. Thanks for listening. This is APM, American Public Media.